Hello, this is Jackie Mason. Who else would talk like this? You probably say I never did anything for you. I'm going to do something for you now. Buckle up. It's a lot safer that way. Oh, what about whatever happens to bug you? That's what you talk about. 
Sometimes he agrees with the caller, other times he sets him straight. I was in Mr. Trump's office when his secretary announced there would be a massive dump. Mr. Trump responded by stating to the effect, wouldn't that be great? Forget it, Donnie, you're out of your element. Donnie, you're out of your element. This is Fox News with the latest liberal outrage. It seems liberals want to give NASA the right to abort space missions whenever they feel like it. Them so much. What sort of talk is that? Modern talk? Indifferent, suffering, and sensitive to joy. All of life is reduced to the common rubble of banality. War, murder, death. All the same to you as bottles of beer. And the daily business of life is a corrupt comedy. Oh, that might be a better name for this program, a corrupt comedy. It's me, Chris T., back with Aerial View on thehoundnyc.com. A live phone-in talk show every Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Don't get me started with daylight or savings time. I, I, I really don't remember, to be honest, which one we're in currently, and I don't care. And I don't know which of those two is more important that I don't remember or I don't care. Eastern Time, here on the East Coast, the West Coast. Damn it, why can't it rhyme with best? Oh, yeah, that's the West Coast. I don't know. Is the West the best? Is the West Coast the best coast? I don't know. It's one of the things I worry about, and Tonight on Aerial View, it's the What Me Worry list in honor of the death of Mad Magazine as we knew it. Not really as we knew it, as we knew it since it started taking ads, but Mad Magazine was a huge part of my childhood, big part of my uh, developing sense of humor. It taught me to be uh, distrustful of authority. It taught me that adults didn't know what the hell they were talking about. It taught me to uh, question everything before punk rock taught me to question everything. It was its own kind of punk rock in its own kind of way. And uh, the news recently that Mad Magazine is going to cease publishing a print version, that it will be an online God knows what. I was about to use the word repository, and that sounds like something you stick in your butt. The number here is 760-I-CALL-AV, 760-422-5528, live line into the studio, and uh, if you want to call and share your worry list, I ask folks on the Facebook page for this program, facebook.com slash callarialview, if they would share theirs. And on my personal page as well, and I've got three comments so far. One of them is just a picture of Alfred E. Newman, so it doesn't really count. But uh, Andy says, the destruction of the EPA and public land transfers 
on his worry list. And Christina says the decline of intelligence in the U.S. and all that has and will rot. I think you mean reek. But I get you. Sorry to be one of those dicks that corrects people. You know, corrects their grammar. Sorry. I'd like to hear about yours today. I have mine. I've been thinking about it throughout the week. Uh, I've been thinking about a way to uh, pay tribute to Mad Magazine while sharing my worry list. And uh, I'll be honest with you. I, I Let's go behind the talk show for just a minute. See, you know, all week long I intended to sit down and, and, and write the list. Or at least start the list and then I could add to the list throughout the week. And keep a running tally of uh, things that worry me. And and before we even get into things that worry me, let's have a conversation about worrying. Uh, if there's any use to it whatsoever. Because I've read something recently and it doesn't really count because it was on Facebook. <laughs> Maybe I could track down the original article. But essentially the, the gist of it is that the... That worrying might protect you. Uh, worrying might actually help you survive. That worrying is like a life skill. And so if you worry, you tend to see the lion just there inside the tree line. This is the theory. Don't yell at me. I didn't come up with it. I'm not sure if I'm articulating it properly. But the idea is that if you're happy and satisfied, you're not paying attention necessarily or looking for the thing that might go wrong. And I've spent a lifetime looking for the thing that might go wrong. <laughs> and then the ones that do go wrong, you don't necessarily see coming, right? Isn't that it? Isn't that the way? So uh, I'll start off with a couple items on the worry list, and then I'll go into, uh, I will do a little upside down update. So I want to talk about the clown car debates that took place this week. Uh, I worry that things will never change. And I worry that things will change. Hmm. I toggle back and forth between these worries. And, uh, you know, worry is one of those... Uh, quote-unquote negative emotions along with anxiety and anger and fear and guilt and stress and feeling overwhelmed and doubt and confusion. It's considered a negative emotion, but are we supposed to be labeling emotions? Isn't that part of the problem when we start labeling our emotions and we start saying this is a negative emotion, this is a positive emotion, I shouldn't be feeling this? Isn't it really terrible when we start Shooting on ourselves. I should do this and I shouldn't do that. Why? Why are you shooting on yourself? Don't shoot on yourself. You're supposed to have your feelings and your emotions. You're supposed to look at them as information and then process them and act upon the ones you need to act upon to get what you want. And, and, and to know what you want, you should understand the consequences of your actions. This all sounds fairly simple. It's really not. Now, most of us get carried away 
with our emotions. We get carried away with our anxiety, our anger, our fear, our guilt, our stress, our doubt, our confusion, our worry. Go around all day thinking, what if this happens? And what if that happens? And what if this doesn't happen? And what if that doesn't happen? And then and then, then the thoughts just, they worm their way in. They worm their way in. And before you know it, you're just consumed with worry. You're uh, what they call a neurotic now. We got a lot of those on the East Coast. I can't speak for the West Coast. They, they, maybe they're less neurotic out there. They got more legal marijuana. They got the uh, Rolfing and all that crap. Honey, I'm feeling neurotic. Let's go to let's get in the convertible Tesla and go to Big Sur and relax for a while. What do you say? Um, and a worry. Let's separate worry out from depression. I mean, uh, maybe being depressed makes you worry. Maybe if you worry a lot, you'll end up depressed. I don't know what the causal relationship is there. Maybe they're interlinked somehow. I I know people who aren't necessarily worried, but they're depressed. And then vice versa, of course. You knew I was going to say that, right? Let's hear your worry list. If you'd like to call 760-422-5528. 760-I-CALL-AV. And boy, do I have a surprise for you for the last 10 minutes of the program. Big surprise. Something that just came to my attention today. It's hot. I tell you, it's coming in hot. So I will share that with you in the last 10 minutes of the program. This program, every Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, then replays Tuesday at 6. It becomes a podcast. Lately, I've been doing that on Friday evenings. Available wherever you get podcasts. And don't forget the other programming here on thehoundnyc.com. Hound Howls every Sunday, 3 p.m. Eastern Time. And uh, dare I, do I need to tell you about the Hound? Do you know about the Hound? If you're listening to the Hound NYC, my bet is you know about the Hound. Rock and roll, the kind they don't make anymore. Old R&B, hillbilly gospel, greasy vocal groups, scratchy 45s and 78s. There's a blog. If you go to thehoundnyc.com, up at the top, you can choose to listen. You can check out the blog. There's archives as well, going back years. That's 3 p.m. Sunday. And then 5 p.m., Crashing the Party with Mark and Miriam, the doo-wop chop shop of the air. Got those doo-wops. You have those doo-wops? Hey, hey, mister, you have those doo-wops? I'm going to do that next time I'm on a record show, going through a cradle records or something. You know, I've been seeing a lot of records at the Meadowlands Flea Market, by the way. If you're not hip to the Meadowlands flea market, I, I've been singing its praises for years. And uh, this is not a plug. Please, those people don't have any money. <laughs> Maybe they do. They get a they get a pretty good uh, crowd out there every Saturday. And all year long, man. All year long. This thing goes on all year long. It's really just weather dependent. So if it's raining, it might not be happening. If it's snowing, but otherwise... Tomorrow's going to be a nice day out there at uh, what I refuse to call MetLife Stadium. Giant stadium in the Meadowlands. 
And my advice to you is get there by 9 a.m. Get out by noon when the crowds descend. If you haven't eaten breakfast, don't worry. They got all kinds of food there. And uh, maybe I'll bump into you. I've been seeing more and more hipsters going through the vinyl, as the kids call it. Please. Dear God, please. With the vinyl. You have any vinyl? You got the doo-wop vinyl? You got any doo-wop vinyl? I'm going to be that guy. Hey, you got any doo-wops on vinyl? What about the what about the 78s? You got any of those? I uh, I don't really uh, I hate to admit this and I hate to reveal this. I don't really I'm not looking through the vinyl. I'm there for other stuff. You know, my record collection at this point it's kind of hmm, that's it. If someone gives me a record, great. It'll go there in with the other records, but I'm not I'm not buying more. Because that would lead to another worry. I'll put this on my worry list. I should really be keeping track of these, shouldn't I? So far, I haven't written a damn one down. Uh, but I worry that things will never change. And then I worry that things will change. And uh, then I worry that if I start buying vinyl, I will keep buying vinyl. And I want to just... Uh, did I say vinyl in reference to records? Oh, dear God. It's true, the apocalypse is nigh. It is true then, huh? It's true, right? It's true, right? Aerial View on thehoundnyc.com. You can reach this program. It's live, happening live right now. You can call 760-422-5528. 760-I-CALL-AV. And join me here on the air and share your worry list. would love to hear... Your worry list as well. I'm up to three items there. Yeah, I worry that I would then um, feel compelled to get back into, you know, what I used to do as a teenager and a young adult, which is go out and buy records, like every weekend. And uh, I know I know some of you still do, and some of you enjoy it. Eh, we're, we live in an old house. Here's my rationale. It's an excuse, I know, of course, but we live in an old house. There's not a lot of space. So, sorry. I'm trying to clear some out. And I'll lie to you right now and say I'm trying to clear it out for records, but that's not really the case. Sorry. Anyway, I may bump into you tomorrow there at the Meadowlands Flea Market. If you hear somebody say, you got that doo-wop on vinyl, it's probably me. Uh, So there are three worries. And I'll leave it there for a moment and let's uh, look at the upside-down update, shall we? And I know I said there was going to be a sound effect to go along with that. But I, I, I here, let's try this one. That's not bad. The Upside Down Update. Hey, how would you like to do an Upside Down? I'm, I'm testing this to see if it's any good. It's not really flooring me. What about this? I like the double take sound. What do you think? The Upside Down Update. And then a few hits in the head. Ought to do it. One of these. There we go. So uh, the clown car, the Democratic clown car debates happened on Tuesday and Wednesday. And uh, five hours of my life to that. Uh, 20 candidates, 10 on each night. 
and um, it just made me mental. It really made me mental. Uh, not in a bad way necessarily. I don't even know. Maybe in a good way. I'm I'm actually very happy uh, with the strong field of candidates. I, I yeah, you gotta admit there's some really talented, good people in there. Some great leaders, uh, people who would make excellent presidents, and then there's a bunch of fucking uh, what you call deadwood. Pardon my language. I I curse, and I don't even know I curse. It's it's not good. Not proud of that, sorry. So I'm uh, stalling for time, if you can tell. I'm just trying to find my tweets about the uh, the Dems debate. So I tweeted both nights. There might be some gems in here. Bear with me. Wow, did I really tweet that much? Damn. I guess I did. All right, here's where I began. Let's see. OMFG, the CNN debate opening is loopy and horrifying. It was really like a WWE production, if you didn't see it. And uh, there was some announcer on there. The, the Democratic debates over two nights, 20 candidates. It was, it was so overblown and ridiculous that it immediately set my teeth to chatter. I was like, really? Is this what we're doing now? We're doing this now? It's like a prize fight. It's so stupid. Oh, it made me so angry. Obviously, I tweeted about it, right? Then I said, something needs to be done about this clown car. True. You need to start uh, separating the wheat from the chaff, as they say. Oh, this was good. I mean, here we're talking about CNN. Ted Turner, right? Lots and lots of money. Ted Turner, very, very wealthy. CNN, you would think, has deep pockets. No one thought to put a microphone on the honor guard that they had march around the auditorium and uh, do a whole presentation of the flag. And then they had a choir singing. They mic'd the choir singing Star Spangled Banner. And they, no one thought to put a mic on this honor guard. So as they marched around this empty stadium, you just heard, like, nothing over CNN for a while. You heard very far away and distant, you heard a guy going, <laughs> while they were marching. And then, you know, he gets there and he's like, present off! And I, the whole time I'm thinking, really? Really, CNN? You couldn't... No one could go down there with a microphone. You couldn't think that far ahead. I mean, damn, if I was there, if I was in on that thing, I would have said, hey, how about we get a wireless mic down there on the honor guard? Oh, my next thought, which I tweeted during the clown car debate, clown car debates was... Uh, Jesus, I hope none of these basic lunatics plan to run independently and pull a Jill Stein on us. There you go. Add that to my worry list. Pretty good worry. Right? That one of these uh, Marianne Williamses is going to pull away from the pack and decide to run as an independent. You know, probably Oprah be pissing in her ear. You know, Marianne. Marianne Williamson, I I'm sorry. Years ago, I was trying to date this girl. And she was doing a raw diet. I think this was the same girl. I, I may have gotten her confused. This other, and I should say woman, 
but she was into Marianne Williamson, and she gave me a bunch of Marianne Williamson tapes, wanted me to listen to them, and then I guess I was supposed to do like a book report or something, get back to her. I still have the tapes somewhere, or I may have thrown them out just recently, but I carted them around for years and years and years, and I, I couldn't bring myself... I, 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 there's that whiff of spiritualism that Marianne Williamson has that's really popular now, and I, 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 I can't deal with it. I cannot deal with that. I'm sorry. I'm just being honest. I think I know myself by now, and I couldn't deal with it then. I can't deal with it now. She said some great things, very quotable lines about dark psychic forces who I think I saw open for Sonic Youth in 1989. Pretty good. Guy with an electric cello. And then uh, he nailed hubcaps all over the cello. What a racket that thing made. It was fantastic. So I'm begging any of you also, Rands, John Delaney and uh, Michael Bennett, who sounds like Caddyshack-era Bill Murray, as my uh, wife Sweet T pointed out, and you other randoms, please don't run third party. Please, for the love of God, don't do that. All right? Thank you. Um, I tweeted a picture of uh, the character Seth Bullock from Deadwood, and I said, I didn't know Seth Bullock is in this thing. See? I got him confused with Stephen Bullock. They're both from Montana. It's easy enough. Oh, wait. Uh, Sheriff Bullock was from South Dakota. Forgive me. Uh, I also said, I hope they bring <laughs> Rachel Dratch on to play Amy Klobuchar. I'm, I'm, I'm already casting the uh, SNL opening sketch, you know, when they come back in September or whenever they come back. So uh, my vote is for Rachel Dratch. Bring her back. Let her be Amy Klobuchar. You know, because they like to do that. They like to bring people back and do special guests, of course. Uh, Larry David will be Bernie Sanders, right? Uh, but Bill Murray, if you could get Bill Murray back to be Michael Bennett, that would be fantastic. Uh, we also talked about... Uh, I said uh, that half of these candidates should just quit now. I thought that'd be a great visual. If like half of them just waved goodbye, goodnight, and walked off the stage. How, how fantastic would that be? They just spontaneously decided, this is too hard. I hate this. I don't want to do this. Why am I doing this? Got to get out of this. Whatever they thought. And they just walked off. That would, would have been fantastic. Fantastic television. That shit would have gone viral. There's no doubt. Other things I tweeted. Uh, oh yeah, the CNN approach to asking questions was very much about uh, like, you know, trying to get people to mix it up. You know? Uh, my niece, I, one, time, one time I told my niece she's like, she's a grand mixer. You know, like the English, they call it a mixer. Someone who likes to Mix things up between people. Go to one person and say, you know what uh, What blah, blah, blah said recently? Do you agree with that? I mean, that was their approach all night was to try to get people to fight, 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 fight. And a lot of what they asked, as other people have pointed out, seemed to be like uh, Republican talking points about the 
You're gonna raise taxes on the middle class? Are you? Are you gonna raise taxes? Because that's the worst thing that could ever happen. I wish somebody would come up there like uh, one of the front front runner candidates, not you also rans. You know, one of the front runners with a big uh, whiteboard and a marker and just do the math right there. Look, here. Let's say your taxes go up this much, but you're not paying this much for your health care. Guess what? More money in your pocket. Boom! Let's not be stupid about this, people. Come on. Don't be hornswoggled. See, much like my letter to Wisconsin last week, this is my... should be what I, what I, what I would tell the candidates to say next time let's not be stupid about this come on don't let them finagle you uh let's see two people wore the same outfit split was it klobuchar and uh, warren the uh, red over black that didn't seem like uh, anyone had done any consulting with anybody Maybe send a message next time. Hey, Elizabeth, what are you planning on wearing? Let's not wear the same thing. I like what Mayor Pete said, who happens to be Maltese. I am Maltese. So uh, sometimes I think I should throw my weight behind him. Then I'm from Jersey. I think Booker. Then I want a fighter and someone with big ideas. And I think Warren. And then I think, come on, Bernie. Bernie started this thing. I would take any combination of any of them. They're all better than the megalomaniac that currently resides in the White House. That piece of human garbage, that human dumpster fire that's currently got his switch on, got the uh, his hand on the switch, I should say. Uh, so he makes an excellent point, Mayor Pete, when he says that uh, Republicans will call us socialists no matter what we do. So why not do the things that we believe? Why not do what's right? Why not have big ideas? Why are we being afraid? So they're going to say it anyway. Right? And I agree. Good point. Excellent point. Uh, Of course, the moment that went viral and became a t-shirt, Bernie saying, I do know I wrote the damn bill. John Delaney kept putting me in mind of Ron Howard for some reason. I, I, sorry. Sweet mother of mercy, I can't take Marianne Williamson. I said I want a free electric car. Yeah, that's going to happen. Bernie Sanders, quote, Trump is a pathological liar. I am not, unquote. One of the best lines of either debate. Uh, back to Marianne Williamson. Uh, she did a whole thing on uh, reparations, which was uh, fantastic and interesting. And then you find out she's like an anti-vaxxer and you know thinks people shouldn't take their uh, antidepressants. That's not really fair. That's not a fair characterization of what she said. She said they're uh, they're overprescribed. Uh, somewhere in there, the news came out about Ronald Reagan's tape from when he called uh, Tricky Dick in 1971, complained about uh, 
what he referred to as, quote, monkeys, unquote. Apparently, Ronald Reagan was a racist. Did we miss that back then? Did we not know that? I lived through that piece of crap. And I thought, you know, it, it, it's never going to get much worse than this in this country, right? This guy. Welfare for the rich. That guy. I was in a band that sang that song. And someone came very near to saying that up on the debate stage. I thought for sure they were going to say welfare for the rich. Bill de Blasio said something about charity for the rich. Something like that. I don't know. But that was, a, that was way back in the early 80s. And it was about Ronald Wilson Reagan. That piece of garbage who got the ball rolling on the uh, decimation of the middle class, who took any gains that they had achieved after World War II and flushed them down the toilet known as uh, trickle-down economics, giving huge tax breaks to the worst among us, the working theory being that they would spend that money to uh, build uh, to, to build new factories and employ people and you know, trickle down to you and me. And uh, the peons that stand there with our hands open saying, please, please take care of me, benevolent capitalism, please. And of course it didn't happen. The people who got the tax breaks uh, just took that money and uh, bought bigger yachts, more furs for their mistresses, you know. And then made everybody beneath them work ever harder for ever less. Uh, call me cynical. Go ahead. Doesn't matter. Uh, de Blasio. Back to de Blasio. We will tax the hell out of the wealthy, he says. And he even has a URL, tax the hell. If that doesn't reek of desperation, I don't know what does. Oh my goodness. Number here is 760-422-5528. We've got about 25 minutes left in the program. Don't forget, I said in the last 10 minutes, I've got a very special surprise for you. Stick around. Uh, I think I told you that some weeks back I did a moth story slam, right? Well, I may just have a recording of that. Not saying one way or the other. Maybe I do. And uh, stick around. You'll hear exactly why I got the lowest score of the night. Uh, it has to do with what I what I said first, what I came out saying. See, yes. Let's get back to what I was tweeting during the Dems debate. When did Inslee go to LensCrafters? That's what I want to know. Jay Inslee uh, also had good things to say, right? Uh, Kirsten Gillibrand regretting the false eyelashes. She went all blinky for a moment. It was like she was trying to send a code by blinking her eyes. Uh, To the protesters in the auditorium in Detroit, a couple of times protests broke out in the auditorium. One of them directed against Bill de Blasio about uh, Eric Garner. And uh, the other one was directed, I believe, at uh, Joe Biden. And both times we couldn't understand what the hell the protesters were saying. Um, it sounded like nothing. Like on CNN, it sounded like. Yeah, 
And both times, Sweet Tea and I turned to each other and said, What? What are they? What are they protesting? What was that? Ineffective protesters. Sorry. I noted that uh, Joe Biden, at one point, <laughs> he knocked his microphone to the side somehow, and it stayed there, like, through the whole debate. The other thing I will say, again, CNN audio department, I don't know what's going on over there, but they did this thing uh, where they had the podium mics and the lapel mics. You know, podium mic up there on the podium, as it says, lapel mic clipped to the lapel of the person speaking. And uh, because these mics were so close together, there's this phenomenon uh, called comb filtering, where, where open microphones that are near to each other will create weird frequencies and do weird things, right? So it was happening all night with Elizabeth Warren. It made her sound terrible. A couple of other candidates as well. If you look, next time they debate, I'm sure it'll be the same thing. You'll notice. Uh, and so the inexperienced audio engineer who was doing the sound for this thing should have chosen one or the other. That's what I would have done. I would have said, okay, well, podium mic sounds good. Let's go with that. And the lapel mic is there in case the podium mic goes kablooey for some reason. Or maybe the lapel mic sounds better. I'll pull down the podium. But this person just said, ah, screw it. Both mics, just leave them open. Come on. What are we doing here? And uh, that is, there, I just went into my audio engineer thing. De Blasio's son and daughter were King Neptune and Queen Mermaid. Something else I tweeted. Um, I got it wrong previously. I thought de Blasio was King Neptune and his wife was Queen Mermaid, but it was their kids, actually. And they just marched in the parade as well. And uh, that was the year he became mayor, and we all had such high hopes for him. Remember that? Those days are past. Uh, what else? Oh, yeah. Um, employer-based health insurance is a fraud, Okay. Uh, employer-based health insurance is a really bad solution to a very pressing problem, namely how to get health care to people. And other countries don't do it. They don't have it. It's stupid because what it does is it locks you into a job that you may want to leave. It locks you into a, a, you know, a physical location of that job and maybe you want to move away. It locks you uh, into having to... Do, make all kinds of sacrifices and changes in your life so that you can have health insurance. And employers aren't especially crazy about it. And it's not great insurance anyway. We just got a letter today from our, our uh, employee-provided health care, employer-provided health care. And, and I guarantee you, without reading it, I said to Sweet Tea, it's about how they're going to give us less stuff and charge us more. That's I can sum it up for you because that's what they do. So uh, I'm a fan of Medicare for all. I think it's the easiest thing to communicate to the American people. They don't understand all this crap that lays in between. And uh, it's not easy to digest. And if, if Donald Trump proved anything, the American people need crap that's easy to digest. Come on. Just give it to us simply. I mean, again, I'm, what I would say is, look, you're not going to miss your... And it, and let me tell you something. A year or two into this thing, you're going to look at me and say, why was I going on about an employer-based health insurance? What the hell was I thinking? 
Ooh. Uh, okay, someone has to call out. I just did. I called out employer-based insurance. It sucks. Uh, I agreed with Andrew Yang, who I interviewed some years ago, because Andrew Yang um, talks a lot about truck drivers, about how 3.5 million truck driving jobs could go away in this country if they perfect the self-driving truck. And there's a lot of money going into doing that very thing and a lot of research happening right now as we speak on doing that very thing. If they can cut out those truck driving salaries, they these people would just have a spontaneous orgasm, I think, is what would happen. They'd be like, oh, yeah, And uh, truck driving is still a good job uh, for someone who doesn't uh, who doesn't have any college, who has a high school diploma. You could still earn a really good uh, middle class income if you're good at it. If you're a good truck driver, if you hustle, as they say. What else did I say? Oh yeah, Andrew Yang. He's he's. I, I agreed with Andrew Yang, and I like his idea of a universal basic income. $1,000 a month to every American. Sounds good, right? Everybody wants money for nothing. Come on now. Give it. That's what they should call it. Like, if I was in charge of the branding, I'd be like, just call it money for nothing. Why not? Let's be honest. Which is fantastic. I'm all for that. What's wrong with that, huh? It's going to make people lazy. People will just sit around doing nothing. No, they won't. They just won't have to tear their guts up every month thinking how they're going to cover their expenses. That's all it'll do. And it'll put money into the economy because guess what? They'll go and spend that money. Andrew Yang is smart. He's looked into this. You don't think he would propose this if he thought it was nonsense, do you? Ay, ay, ay. All right, I'm going to surprise you in the last 10 minutes of the program. Gave you a little bit of tease of what that surprise was, but it has to do with me getting on stage and doing some storytelling. And I could see that it's worked because our, the number of people listening has, has almost doubled. How about that? It went from 9 to 15. Wow. That might be the most people who ever listen to the show live. Usually it's an even dozen. My numbers are ticking upwards. Uh, you know, this show, I'm sure, reaches more people as a podcast, but that's okay. I love live radio. This, this is live. You could prove it to yourself by calling here and sharing your worry list on the What Me Worry edition of Aerial View. 760 422 5528-760-I-CALL-AV if you want to share your worry list. Oh, uh, Cory Booker said shithole during the debate. I guess they didn't bleep it because it was news. And uh, let's see. Biden calls Senator Booker, Booker the future president. How about that? The future president. And then he pulled it back, of course. Uh, not long after 
Cory Booker repaid the favor by saying to Joe Biden, quote, you're dipping into the Kool-Aid and you don't even know the flavor, unquote. Which sounded like a canned line that he had ready at his disposal, but that's okay. It's, he still sold it. Did a pretty good job of selling it. Uh, Julian, uh, Julian Castro went directly after Mayor de Blasio on Eric Garner. I, I tweeted this. I feel so sorry for Joe Biden. His moment has passed. You have to know when to leave the stage. Hmm. Um, progressive progress. Someone mentioned progressive pro- progress. I thought that was pretty good. Uh, I want to meet. Uh, we all should meet with uh, Kirsten Gillibrand and have her explain white privilege uh, over a cold beer, nice glass of Chardonnay or something. Um, I hated the way that uh, Joe Biden kept saying anyway and slamming the brakes on himself. It's really not good. Not a good look. Not at all a good look. Stop doing that. Really bad. Uh, Let's see. Andrew Yang, every time he spoke, he got back to the $1,000 a month, uh, whatever he called it, dividend peace dividend, freedom dividend, whatever the hell he called it. Moscow Mitch got a mention during the debates. That was pretty good. Bill de Blasio, he was the one that made reference to some kind of welfare for the rich, right? There you go. The money going in the lo- in the wrong direction, the money going upwards towards the wealthiest among us. I guess that would have been, was that the second night? I don't even know. I lost track. It all started to blend into one, if you ask me. But uh, I'm up to item number three on my worry list. Let's review the first two items. Uh, things will never change, and then things will change is number two. And then I worry about uh, becoming a collector of something. It could be records. It could be something else. I just worry. I mean, I already have various collections. I, I don't need. I don't need to go down that rabbit hole. Yet again. Just saying. You go and do it if you like. I'll come and visit your collection. So, um, if I was to add something else to the worry list, I would say uh, I worry about my future income. That probably would be top of mind because the worries that are, you know, the things that are closest to you, I guess, the concerns that are closest to you are the ones you worry about. There are more distant concerns, you know, and more immediate concerns. There's that hierarchy of need crap. So, you know, if you need to keep eating and and, uh, paying the bills, then you need to make some money. So I worry about that because we're currently in the gig economy. And this is the other reason employer-based health insurance is a lie because, we're all being put into the gig economy, and we're all having to fend for ourselves. There are, you know, fewer and further between jobs that are considered good jobs, and by that, full-time pay, full-time work, and some kind of health benefits and maybe a retirement plan, something like that. I mean, when I say a good job, I mean a job you can stake a future on, but they don't want us to do that anymore. They. Who? In the hell is they? They set it up. They? Who in the hell is they? 
that's who they is. <laughs> Caught you, didn't they, eh? Tied a tin can to your tail, led you in and waltzed you out again. <laughs> oh, my, what a bunch. <laughs> Big tough ones, eh? <laughs> Here you are, with a handful of holes, a thumb up your ass, and a big grin to pass the time of day with. <laughs> they! Who the hell is they? That's what I said. Who the hell is they? It's Aerial View on thehoundnyc.com. We've got about 10 minutes left in the program. And I will now reveal, I will now reveal the big surprise. In the last 10 minutes of the program, I will play for you my appearance at the Moth Story Slam. I got the audio just today, and uh, boy, oh boy, I'll tell you, what an experience that was. I think there was 10 of us that got up and told stories. I got up. Uh, and, uh, I, I, <laughs> I think the first thing I said just kind of, uh, kneecapped myself. I knee, I, I kneecapped myself. Let's put it that way. Uh, but you'll get to hear, I don't even remember, frankly, the story that I told because it wasn't the one that I planned to tell. Um, I had a plan, you know, and then as, uh, Mike Tyson used to say, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face, Right. So what happened to me is I was climbing the stages. I started to stumble in the dark. I missed the first step somehow, misjudged the height of the step. And uh, as I reached out to grab the, the scarred rail with my left arm, I dislocated my left shoulder, which it's happened before. And it's happened because a few years ago, I fell down the stairs backwards. And that happened because I had surgery on my feet to fix my feet that I was uh, born with. Which, were, which had no arch, and it became an issue at some point. Uh, I went many, many years. I went like many years not doing anything about it, and then finally I did something about it, and, and mainly because of my wife, Sweet Tea, and happy anniversary, honey. We'll be married a dozen years on Monday. So uh, she was the one who said, you should go to a podiatrist, you should talk... To somebody, and I went to a podiatrist, and I got some custom orthotics, and then the podiatrist started talking to me about how he could fix what was wrong, and then I walked up the stairs one day. I wasn't holding the guardrail, the handrail, I should say. Guardrails are on the highway. Handrail. And my Achilles tendon in my right foot just sort of disagreed with the whole thing. When I got to the top step, I was also carrying several boxes. So top step of the stairs... My right Achilles tendon just goes, no, no. And my right foot just sort of goes out from underneath me, and then I fall down the stairs backwards. And uh, I sort of stop halfway down. And then my uh, wife comes out and sees me fall down the rest of the way. And uh, they get me to the hospital... And things are pretty groovy until these idiots uh, try to get me off this gurney. I mean, I was in pain, don't get me wrong, but I hadn't dislocated my shoulder. And then these idiots, to get me off this gurney, they grabbed this um, sheet or whatever it was I was laying on top of, and they yanked it up sharply to try to roll me onto the gurney to the thing that shoots me into the MRI machine to see if I damaged my brain. And uh, when they did that, I felt something. I went, oh, man, something just happened. What was that? 
Turns out they dislocated my shoulder. And they didn't believe me. I went back into the emergency room and my arm started going numb and I couldn't feel my fingertips and I'm telling my wife something's wrong. I don't know what it is, what happened, but I don't feel the same. I feel far, far worse and I'm starting to panic. Like I'm thinking I'm going to lose my hand, right? And no one believes me. They just keep upping the painkillers. They just keep coming back and, you know, finally they're just injecting pure heroin into me. And I say, you know, you know what? I think you need to take another look at this. And I convince them to take me for another x-ray. And they do. Oh, look at that. Dislocated shoulder. Right? I didn't enter the hospital with it, but I have it now. You've actually caused it. And uh, so, before you know it, there's a team trying to get my shoulder back into place. Like five or six people. And uh, they're consulting each other. They're throwing the uh, I Ching, I Ching, whatever it is. And uh, trying to figure out what the hell to do about all this. Just because I fell down the stairs. And uh, they decide, you know, they're going to... You're going to stand there. You're going to grab here. You're going to stand over here and I'll grab this. Then we'll all grab that. And went on three... And they got my arm, my shoulder, whatever it is, back where it belongs. But since then, it's happened a couple of times. And then I could I can pop it back in. Because, you know, the shoulder's gotten stronger, the tendons, whatever. So once you have a dislocated shoulder, you're prone to having them again. So as I tried to get on stage at the Moth, I dislocated my shoulder. <laughs> and I go on stage, and you'll actually hear the guy as he leads me to the microphone. He's like, are you okay? Because I must have had a look of concern on my face. And I'm thinking, do I turn back? Do I go on with this thing? I'm in pain. What do I do? And I just thought, you know, this is the business of show. I got to go forward. I got to do this thing. And so I did. And now once I complete my worry list, I will have that audio for you. You've got another minute to call the program if you'd like at 760 760- 4225528760 I call AV. If you want to share your worry list and before we go I'm going to check my Facebook page and see if anybody's added anything to the question I asked earlier, what's on your worry list? And indeed there's been a couple of more answers. Uh Maria says 95% humidity and rising water levels in my chosen city. That sound means we have a phone call, so let me just pick it up. Hey, Phil. How you doing? Great, Chris. Let me share these two other things that people worry about. Uh, Ken says, Arctic methane. And Bruce says, not being able to shed my ego and embrace the void. That's a pretty good worry. Phil, what about yours? Well, let me say, uh, did it occur to you at any point to share with them that you just dislocated your shoulder? I guarantee you would have gotten a better score. Well, uh, you know, that's interesting, but no, it didn't. I, I, I felt like I probably shouldn't share that with them. And maybe I yeah. should have told the story. Maybe in what I should yes. have done instead, Phil. What do you think of this idea? Yes. Yes. Phil, who are you saying yes to? The pizza man? I'm saying yes to what you're just about to say. Maybe I should have said, hey, I folks, I had a story I was going to tell, but I just dislocated my <laughs> shoulder. So now I'm going to tell you the story about the first time I dislocated my shoulder. 
And I was I would tell the whole story about falling down the stairs backwards and you know the story I just told, Phil. You know that one. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That would have gone over so much better. It would have been sincere. It would have been spontaneous. Right. You know you know that Tignataro, you know that? Yes, yes. Well, that is one of the most successful talked-about comedy bits of all time. And it was pretty much, you know, except that you mentioned cancer and it had nothing to do with your bit. But Hey, why are you giving you, away the, like, don't, don't, oh, hey. <laughs> hey, man, spoiler alert. What the, what the hell? I was teasing hey, this thing the whole time and you just, you just, Phil. Phil, share two items from your worry list, and then I've got to go, okay? I worry about disappointing people. All right. I worry about animal species vanishing forever. Well, Phil, on the first one, you you did. You disappointed me. So that one been realized. Take that one off the table. But, yeah, you're right. You know, we are um, in an existential crisis, of course. Climate change uh, is going to change life forever on this planet, maybe even in our lifetime. Uh, so that is the thing I'll close out my worry list with. And I will thank you, Phil, for the call. Appreciate it. And I will play for you the audio from the Moth Story Slam. What I was going to point out to Phil just now on the phone is that they have a theme for these things, right? So the theme for the Story Slam that I went to, um, I wish I could remember now what the hell it was. I'm sure if I... If I check my calendar, I could tell you. So uh, if you'll bear with me, I will do that right now and tell you what the theme was uh, because I had to be within the theme, which is probably what I was thinking by not pivoting to the dislocated shoulder story. Uh, I don't even know when the hell we did the moth. When did we go? Let's see. Was it then? No. Jeez. Was it even further back than that? Was it May? Hmm. I might not have put it on my calendar. That's also possible. Uh, anyway, the theme as such, was, and I, this is really important to the story. So, you know, I'm going to take another moment and figure out what the hell the theme was. And because, like I said earlier, um, this audio just showed up today, I, I, forgive me, I didn't go and look. Uh, so... Here, I'm going to go and do a little search while I tell you once again, you're listening to the houndnyc.com and uh, every Sunday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Oh, here we go. The theme of the story slam was surrender. All right, surrender. So I guess I could have done... I could have told the, the 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 dislocated shoulder story. I guess I could have done that, but I didn't. Here's the one I told. Without any further ado, uh, again, the Hound Howl every Sunday, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, followed by Crashing the Party with Mark and Miriam. This is Aerial View, and uh, I will see you. Uh, I'll see you again next Friday, same time. This show will replay Tuesday, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, and it'll become a podcast. Shortly, I'll try to get to it as quickly as I can. But here is seven minutes of me on stage at White Eagle Hall in Jersey City at uh, the the uh, Moth Story Slam, theme of which was Surrender. And I have to say something about the audio. It's a little weird because, uh, you know, I happen to know the person who actually records the audio. Usually 
what she does is record a stereo track of the audience and then the performer. And then you have a nice uh, sort of, you have a nice sort of mix. You have the performer in the middle, stereo audience, right? Sounds fantastic. Except whoever sent me this file, they put the, st- they put the, st- the, the audience all on one track and then me all on the other track. So I was all on the left side. The audience was all on the right. And I, I made a fix of this, but it's not going to be in stereo. It's pretty much just all on the same track at this point. Here we go. This is me. And again, listen for this guy saying, are you okay? The MC as I get up on stage. And uh, here we go. So without further ado, let's give it up for Chris T. Come to the stage. Come on, keep clapping. Thank you. Uh, this is my first time at the Moth. And I turned to my wife before I got on stage and said, do I have to follow a story about childhood cancer? And uh, it's the luck of the draw. Uh, when I was 13, I wanted nothing more than to be Jimmy Page. And two things prevented this. Jimmy Page, the guitarist from Led Zeppelin, great session guitarist, Uh, weighed about 90 pounds, and he was a fantastic guitar player. I was overweight, and I was a crappy guitar player, so this was not going to work, but I still managed to find myself in this band called Cobra with my friend Billy Kammerer when I was 14 years old, and we covered the hits of 1976 and 1977. We played Can't Get Enough of Your Love and Taking Care of Business and... We, uh, our, our biggest achievement was uh, on a stage much like this, but it was at a Catholic high school. And I remember looking out in the audience, and this neighbor that I had a crush on was, was watching me play my, my guitar, and she just had this look on her face, and I just thought, this is fantastic. Girls are paying attention to me. What could be better than this? But before much longer uh, high school ended, Cobra broke up, and I, I was looking for something else to do, because now I was starting to get into, uh, into punk rock. I had heard about this band called the Sex Pistols. There was this thing on TV about these horrible people, this guy named Johnny Rotten, and this other guy, Sid Vicious. And I remember thinking, what is this? I have to find out what this is. This sounds fantastic. At the time, I was listening to uh, A Night at the Opera by Queen, and I took it off of my mother's turntable, and I slapped on Never Mind the Bollocks, and my world changed immediately. I started taking down my Led Zeppelin posters and my Steve Miller posters. And my Queen posters, Dead Boys and Sex Pistols and The Clash and the undertones all went up on my walls. And I, 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 I had befriended this guy in, uh, in junior high school. And, and I, I befriended him because he was the fattest kid in, in junior high school. And, and nobody wanted to sit next to him. He, he must have weighed easily like 320 pounds. And he... Uh, he looked friendless, so I just started having lunch with him. His name was Mike Nicolosi. And, and Mike and I would go over to his house, and we would, he was a big fan of professional wrestling, and he would get out his professional wrestling dolls, and we would play professional wrestling, and we would smash Hot Wheels cars into each other, and we would just have fun. And uh, as it turned out, the, the summer we go to high school, he comes back, and, and he's like rail thin. And I said, Mike, what, did you, what happened? What did you do? Oh, my parents put me on a diet. He tells me, and I'm thinking, this is great, because I would like to lose weight, too. So 
It turns out he actually uh, was the rare male bulimic, and he had taught himself to vomit on command. And this skill came in handy when we started a punk rock band called the Nihilistics. <laughs> and uh, we would be on the stage of like all these famous clubs that you've heard of from back in the day, like Max's Kansas City and CBGB's and you name it, um, Mud Club, we played it, but he would projectile vomit out into the audience <laughs> while he was playing the bass that I had taught him how to play because you know we knew we wanted to have a band, we just didn't know. I knew I would play guitar, what was Mike going to do? He wanted to play bass, so he got a cheap Hackstrom bass. I taught him how to play it. And uh, I come up with this name for the band, The Nihilistics. Because I was, I was reading this book, Nausea, and uh, it was in there, and I thought this is a fascinating word. It, it reminded me of the band, The Stylistics, so The Nihilistics we will be. <laughs> we get a drummer, we get a singer, we start playing out, we put out an album, and we're actually doing really well in the New York hardcore scene. Uh, and then one night it all goes to hell at this club in New Jersey uh, called The Showplace. And, and Mike gets so drunk, he, he can't get on stage. He drinks like a case of beer. He can't get on stage, and he ends up punching me in the face. We end up having a fight in the parking lot. And, and pretty much that's it for me and the band. Oh, and one more thing. They wanted to get another guitarist for the band. I wasn't enough anymore. They wanted to get the singer's brother to come in with his BC Rich Warlock guitar this very pointy guitar, and they wanted him to play lead, and, and he was terrible. He wasn't even a good guitarist. But I was just like, you know, this is not for... I'm, I don't want to be in Judas Priest. I want to be in the Nihilistics. And then uh, when I was rear-ended by a checker cab in Queens, and I got a settlement from that of like nine grand, I moved to New Jersey. I didn't speak to Mike for years, but he would call me all the time. He would call me, leave these really pleading voicemails. Hey, buddy. It's your old friend, Mike. How you doing? I was just wondering, you know, if you're going to be out on the island, maybe you could stop by and see me. And I'd go out to Long Island to visit my mother for the holidays, and I resisted. I resisted, I mean, for years. And then finally I surrendered and called him up. I said, yeah, I'll come by and see you after I'm done with my mom. And I go by there. He's married. He's got a little kid. He's put on a lot of weight. He's gone bald. And we sit in his living room watching the horror movie Maniac. That's what he wanted to do. And at one point, after we've had a lot of beers and I'm exhausted, I'm sitting in this couch, he, said, he turns to me and he says, would you mind if I choke you? And, and I'm like, I'm laughing and I'm like, Mike, what are you talking about? And next thing I know, he comes over and he pushes me back in the sofa and he puts his knee on my chest and he clamps his hands around my neck and he starts choking me. And I'm just thinking, this is it. I'm gonna die in this crappy living room here on Long Island with this guy and, uh, who didn't want me to be in the band anymore. And then from the kitchen, his wife, Jean, turns around and she yells, Mike, Mike, what are you doing? And she comes running out of the kitchen and she pulls him off of me and he just sits in a chair and he buries his head in his hands and he goes, you hate me now. You hate me now. And I just got out of there as quickly as I can while Jean was telling me, why don't you stay the night? In the morning, we'll have pancakes. Thank you. Oh, I really bungled that one. Oh, man, I could have done, oh, done such a better job. Oh, brother, I'm so... Now that I listened to it... I didn't even listen to it when I got it today. I, I didn't have a chance. Mike, ladies and gentlemen. Give it, did he say give it up for Mike? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. That's me at the Moth Story Slam. We ran a little long tonight. My apologies. Um, but... 
I uh, thank you for indulging that. And oh man, I could have done so much better with that story. I know I could have, but I did my best. I ran out of time. It, you know, seven minutes goes by awfully fast, folks. Just saying. Stay here. Uh, hound shows, vintage hound shows coming your way. Cheers.